Good morning, benders and non-benders alike, and welcome to Republic City Dispatch, a radio program covering Nick.com's Legend of Korra series. This week, the Spirit Wilds are angry as our Kuhiro resistance assembles in Republic City. Korra's blocked from the spirit world, and Zaheer holds the key. Which one of our hosts was left out of the big meeting in favor of Prince Wu? Was it Matt, Dave, Davidra, or Joanna? Hello and welcome to Republic City Dispatch. We're back with another episode, completely fresh, not a clip show. It's called Beyond the Wilds, and uh, we're all here to talk about it. Who are we? I'm Matt Patches. I'm here with Devendra Hardawar. Hello, hello. Joanna Robinson. Hello. And Dave Gonzalez. Papu's back. Yeah. <laughs> really? I, mean, I didn't see in him. In a big was way. He? Yeah. Was, he, was he in the episode? Or? So I didn't Probably. see Papu. It was Papu the was ghost there? of Papu. People make fun of us in our comment section for this horrible <laughs> Papu gate that's occurred over the season. May At we some never point, speak of I again. hope they realize we're just trolling them. But yeah, by the I really was concerned for Papu early on. If we want to we talk about <laughs> like pet trolling, we could start right at the beginning of the episode with Korra basically <laughs> doing like earthbending laser pointer to Naga. <laughs> With, with a little, uh, the Korra Katniss parallels continue. really cute. Yeah. Um, this is totally off topic. Well, I guess it's not. It's kind of on topic. It's right on topic. <laughs> but what else happened during this episode, Dave? Well, uh, Ryu, Ryu, I'm, I've been spoiled by so I've much Street Fighter 2. I yeah, mean, but it's, it's a problem. Okay, returns to the series by giving a tour of the Spirit Wilds in Republic City, but because Kuvier is going Avatar slash Ferngully on the Spirit Vines to the Banyan Tree, the Vines are angry and attack the tour group. While investigating, Kor discovers Kuvier's actions and rushes to the Republic City Council. President Raiko, Prince Wu, Tenzin, and Fire Lord Izumi, who are debating what to do. The council decides to defend the city, and Korra attempts to rescue the captives from the Spirit Wilds, but she's kept from the Spirit World by visions of Zaheer's attack from Book 3, so she decides to go face Zaheer, who has been chained up while floating, meditating into the spirit world. Zaheer and Korra team up and enter the spirit world through guided meditation. Zaheer suggests Korra's powers, powers are limitless as she rediscovers the Rava spirit and discovers her ultimate power in the spirit world. Meanwhile, Bolin tries to win Opal back with adorable Pabu tricks but fails, and he finally admits his love for her and joins Opal and Lin on a mission to save their family in Zaufu. Bolin, you schmuck. <laughs> he is the worst. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, you, usually at this point in the show, I, I insist that you go to iTunes and subscribe and, and write reviews for Republic City Dispatch. But today I thought it would be even better to shamelessly promote our other podcast because we do a lot of podcasting between the four of us. Uh, Dave and I do a podcast about pop culture called Fighting in the War Room. Devendra is on the Slash Filmcast, which is just all sorts of movie talk. Who do you do that show with, Devendra? Uh, with David Chen and Jeff Kanata. And that's just mo- that's movie talk every week. Movie, well, movie, movie, TV, and, TV, and yeah. yeah, basically whatever we're interested in. And it's reviews, it's kind of why you a film. Yeah. I've done some reviews with you this yes. year, and I've been shamed on them, so I always enjoy going on the Slash <laughs> Filmcast. And then Joanna is the podcast master. You're, you're on everything. You have the station agents, which is TV, right? Or do you, do you breach yes. the walls of other culture? No, that is TV only. And then you are doing another. You're doing another podcast on the Fighting in the War Room Network, which is apparently a thing uh, about comic books with Dave. Yeah, with, with Dave called the Thought Bubble, and that's been really, really fun. Uh, it's a write-in format, so everyone write in with your comic book or comic book adjacent questions, and Dave, who is our expert, answers them, and then I get to play the uh, the dumb person who asks more follow-up questions. So it's really fun. I ended really, up really fun. farming out all of Dave's podcast opportunities before he could chime in. Dave, what do you say about podcasts? All those things are good. I listen to uh, all of them. 
Actually, <laughs> this this week, uh, if you want to, I don't, I don't think you're on that episode, Devendra, but I have queued the extremely long discussion of the Star Wars trailer to scratch <laughs> yeah, that itch. Don't go there. Don't go there right now. You know, I am no. giving up Star Wars I mean, spoilers I, I, for the rest I, I, of my really? life. Oh, really? Seriously? I am on that episode, but are you one of those I still crazy have, people? Yes, I still have not watched oh. the trailer. I am swearing it off. I'm, I'm on a really? spirit journey. I okay, really well, we don't have know a anything long about discussion it. about crazy people yeah. like that um so i don't crazy uh but here's here's what i know i will try to keep my twitter feed a little bit more protected now that i know that poor innocent patches is out there trying well, you don't to have navigate, to do that because i don't navigate the spirit wilds no just say everything i downloaded different apps that block out keywords but it's just like it is not to get too <laughs> off topic but it's 88 seconds of like mere glimpses of something that's not coming out I'm for a year preserve. i'm so. trying to follow the jj abrams mystery box lifestyle he's know? uh i mean if he's creating the these teasers this is clearly the mystery box he's trying to keep i will it going say this too. it's horrible it's a horrible existence to try and block <laughs> something this massive why it really pains me like uh, I don't think you need to do a deep dive into like you know Dave does these like very spoil like now I know way more than I right, ever right, needed right. to know because there are a lot of spoilers out there right stuff, now. but like but just watching the eighty eight seconds can't do it Won't and then do making it. a joke about a droid if there is a droid in the teaser which I'm not saying there, there is, may or may like, not be a droid I would recommend <laughs> but if there is listen to Fighting in the Worms review of the Baba Duke that's where it's at <laughs> that's where it's at yeah. yes Let's see and actually by swearing off Star Wars spoilers I've become more invested in the Legend of Korra the things that I really. <laughs> Bring it all back. You know what's it's, funny though, like just just about this whole thing, like Matt, you're you're gonna get spoiled, like just because of the people you're around, the people you follow, like you, you'll hear about the new lightsaber or something, and at that point, like you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna get a, you're gonna get spoiled and have a lesser experience rather than just sitting there and you enjoying the trailer like everybody else. I guess. part of why this is this yeah. speaks to a larger conversation <laughs> on spoiler culture yes. and, and yes. 21st century. Uh, culture enjoyment. You Listen know? to that episode because I do think we because uh, Jeff Kanata, our other yeah, co-host, but, is but, is going full blackout, and really, I think there's a balance there. Uh, maybe you two can talk about how you're not going to book for balance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, oh so patches. patches. Wait, wait. Yeah, yeah, before we of, get back, everyone talk to patches. Before we get back, before we get back to core, I want to say patches that you should start your own <laughs> podcast between now and when Star Wars goes out. That's about avoiding Star Wars. A man under a rock. <laughs> A one man diary show where I'm just <laughs> losing my mind. I, I've heard, I've heard they're they're new Jedi. I, I don't know. I don't know. I it's October I'm 2015. By watching this. I'm not going outside for Halloween. Uh, <laughs> I want to see the costumes. That's right. Oh my god. <laughs> Thank you. This is a, this is high pressure. I hope everyone listening to this now that we've taken a serious deviation from Legend of Korra, and many people will be angry, but that they will help oh. me in this quest. Well, the the connection there is uh, I think Avatar and Korra is the best like hero's journey arc we've gotten since the original Star Wars trilogy. Like that is it. This is the big Star Wars. And I don't think successor. I've, have you ever felt spoiled when it comes to Legend of Korra? I mean, we've seen trailers and stuff and have gotten early. I mean, there's certainly things that could have been spoiled. And honestly, uh, during this episode too, like there a certain character pops back up and immediately as soon as the episode hits people on my Twitter feed were like what do you think of him coming back yeah, and helping Cora yeah, yeah. I'm like guys guys right someone messaged us directly with, on Twitter about <laughs> what happened in the episode like, don't do that that <laughs> is bad like uh, there, there's a difference between you know actively avoiding the mere mention of something new sure. and just like 
bringing up plot points that are like deep into the episode. I, I do feel like I need to be jumping on the spot with uh, <laughs> watching the episode or else yes. someone's going to message yes. me and be like, hey, so Pabu's back. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> I, love I wanted that's, to be surprised and delighted that's by the big Pabu's antics. Pabu is back. That's the character we're talking about. In a key about. role, too. Aren't we talking about Pabu? Pretty well. Pabu has the most incredible jump. I actually replayed this episode, that part where they reunite, because the way he leaps out of the tree, he, like, floats through the air. It's 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 like a Tim and Eric animation or something. <laughs> Little chittering noises. I just so wanted to, like, I want them as a sound effect on my phone. <laughs> like, when I get a new text, it's Pabu. I think you could do that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's the name of the guy who voices all the animals? Yeah. D. Bar- Bradley Baker? Is yeah. that who does all, like, he does Naga and Pabu? He I think he does ex- all of the animals on uh, both series, as far as I know. One incredible gig. Okay, D. <laughs> uh, he's part, part polar bear, part dog. <laughs> what do you think? That's a, of course. Here's <laughs> <laughs> a book. Anyway, what happened in this episode? This this was I feel like a thousand things happened in this episode, and it was kind of expertly constructed. I, I just can't imagine how much there is to talk about um, and how many threads there are in play here. And somehow it all seems pretty coherent and and narratively fulfilling. Um, why, why don't we start talking about Cora uh, and what what she discovers here? Because I, I I'm really curious about your guys' opinions. There's been this slow build of Cora's character and this whole mental block thing and it kind of pays off i think we finally resolved it now that she's met zaheer confronted this uh problem that she's had this memory that's been blocking her um but then again i think earlier in the season i thought we had resolved it and we had it uh and it keeps coming back to plague mm-hmm. her is this something that's fulfilling for you guys is it is it a slow build or does it seem repetitive and now i really <sighs> think that remembrances has overstayed its welcome and there's absolutely <laughs> that that episode lives in a vacuum because yeah. now that she's zaheer again it's Really strange to consider everything that happened in that clip show. The funny, yeah, the funny to hear. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this too when uh, the whole uh, when Toph helped her get the metal or the poison out of her body. I didn't want that to be the end of this whole story because it seemed too pat and too easy, and the real problem always seemed deeper. So yeah, I think this played off really well. I agree. Uh, listeners got irritated with me that I got <laughs> irritated that Cora had a lapse when she was fighting Kuvira and I was like, right. didn't you already solve this? But I agree that the payoff with Zaheer telling her it's all in her head and referencing Bradley Cooper movies about her potential is is <laughs> worth waiting for. But if we relapse again, then I'll be a little, I think I'll be a little irritated. You, think, yeah, you thought this was a them. limitless reference? Is that what yeah. you're saying? Oh, yeah. wow. That movie. Okay. Yeah. I like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where the season is heading. Obviously, I think it was box office failure. I think it was the TV, the TV onions TV club review of this that I think stated in like its first few paragraphs that the uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender was about the world and Korra has decided to be about a woman, and I think that really got nailed down for me here. Even more so as we like this episode plays a balancing game where it's never explained what the spirit vines are doing and we don't need that we just need an inciting incident to push Korra and show that everybody sort of has lost faith in her ability to be the avatar so I'm surprised how much I enjoyed what I think could have felt like a rehash especially after remembrances but I think it came off to me just as a more uh, interesting portrayal of like a single person's PTSD struggle 
uh, than like an interesting plot because the plot is sort of unbalanced. I'm not exactly sure why anybody's doing anything, but I didn't right. care. It's it's really, really interesting. Yeah. Oh, so go go go. I think we're probably oh, no, that's on the same a, page here. No, I just think it's a really good point. I didn't think about it until now that we don't know why the spirit vines right. are kidnapping people or what they're doing with them. It's sort of a MacGuffin, but it doesn't matter in in the point of this. Not all, like not only are they attacking. In, and there's a frame when Mako and Cora are chased into that build, that stone building that I'm like, oh my god, this is H.P. Lovecraft. This is Tulu myth. Tulu. Okay. Yes, I was freaking out after the fact. I, I had to see it in GIF form to really understand that. Um, but I kept thinking of like John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh, yeah. And what really comes to mind for me is Jurassic Park. Uh, and we were talking, Dave and I were talking a little bit about this on the on Fighting in the War Room last week, uh, about how much you need to know about something. And it really is astonishing that th- these vines are attacking people and putting them in, like, people pods or something <laughs> that can also exist in the spirit world. And what the heck, uh, what is all this stuff? And you What's don't really on? question it. I certainly did not think twice about, like, what are the motivations <laughs> here of the spirits for doing this. Clearly they're being attacked, and I think, you know, Seeing yeah. Cora touch the spirits and seeing Kuvira chopping into the banyan grove tree is like enough for us to understand why. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe because of our understanding of fiction and, and the history of, of fantasy, um, do we do, can we understand why this living creature might attack someone elsewhere in the world because it's being attacked at a different place? Maybe it would have made a little more sense to see some of the like Kuvira's mech suited people also trapped in the spirit world. You know, like if that were going on over by the banyan tree as well. Um, like mm-hmm. you saw the spirit vines, att- like when Cora had her flash of what was going on, you saw the spirit vines attacking them, but not getting anywhere with them. So I'm I surprised actually, there wasn't like any repercussions. Mm-hmm. Over it there. seemed more like the spirit vines reacting against technology too, because the tourists had cameras and stuff. And that's mm-hmm. specifically, I think who, who's a Janora mm-hmm. later, she finds the camera and then the, the vines react. So it always, it seemed like a direct response to Technology versus the spirit stuff. Uh, I then love they the guy. Attacked, mm-hmm. uh, they attacked Cora and Mako. I know. Later, okay. they were extra mad. I don't know. I do love the guy that's like, <laughs> I'm going to poke it with a stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so tourist. That, Why would that, you do that? That feels <laughs> right, very. Maybe not. Yeah. That feels very Spielberg idiot to me. <laughs> like there's yeah, always appointed. someone in the movie who's like, Get out of my way! I'm going to fix this. Gennaro yes. on in Jurassic Park. Basically. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. The, especially the opening scene felt very Jurassic Park or maybe War of the Worlds or something mm-hmm. to me. Especially even the framing, like that scene or that shot where the camera falls and we're just like mo- moving close yeah. in on this close-up of the camera felt very Spielbergian to me. And I'm, I'm not sure what my reference point is there, but the whole construction of that. And also when she's uh, when Janora is outrunning the vines later reminded me of Minority Report. When they're all flying with jetpacks and <laughs> like soaring that through is the a, city, it, that feels like kind of a leap. But I hear you. I so, always think of jetpacks. What the heck? This I mean, is Dave's reference, but I always yeah. think of X Men. Like it's always like X-Men. if there were another season of Korra. Well, that's the opening credits doesn't look like this on Korra. But if it did, if I were in charge and it did next season, <laughs> like that shot of Janora flying up out of the wilds, like mm-hmm. ducking things, would be in the opening credits. That'd be the storm shot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, everyone's doing teenage or uh, Power Rangers mashups. We why do we are we not getting an X Men the animated series I'm mashup? Actually, 
really irritated we don't have a Buffy mashup yet. Mm. So no, somebody people are against that. We talk too much about Buffy. Only some here. people. All right. Sorry. I, cu- I cut off Dave to reference Dave. Yes. Say. Oh, I think the shot you're thinking of, Patches, is in the Lost World. It's the camera falls on the jungle floor during the compi oh. attack. That's, oh, yeah. That's the push in, I think, that you're directly referencing. Wait. Oh, the little girl in the first scene of The Lost World? Um, I don't think the little girl is in the, the camera reflection. I think it's in the stream later on in the movie. Uh, oh, oh, right, right, right. When um, the Russian guy yeah. gets attacked by the compies. But in terms of a weird jungle camera on the floor shot that's Spielbergian, that's the only thing I can think of. This is the oh, second man. thing to reference the Lost World, not the original Jurassic Park. Oh, that movie is so bad. The Maze Runner so is bad. So the bad. Lost World. I just don't want to watch it. Lost Spielberg's World? Lost World, you think is yes. awful? No. It's yes. really awful. It's bad. No, There's only one bad scene in it. I, you I, just highlighted the, I know. I, the worst <laughs> scene of his career. I spent yeah. Thanksgiving railing against <laughs> the scene from Lost World where uh, Malcolm's daughter does gymnastics. Gymnastics. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, that's actually the, the most theme? embarrassing thing that Steven Spielberg has ever committed to film. It is I do feel like the whole movie is just that. No way. The scene yeah. where they're chasing the dinosaurs, where they're rounding them up, oh. the hunt, that is incredible. To make a more contemporary visual allusion to what we saw in Korra, there's a million references you could have for those glowing pods full of people. Mm-hmm. But for me, it reminded me of the of the egg sacs in Godzilla that came out this summer. Like those yeah, beautiful yeah. underground egg sacs. It was it was like beautifully done, Jokes. as creepy as it was, you know. So. So many egg pots. Yeah, and then, I mean, to get back to what we're talking about, none of this matters. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, my, of, my only thought was that it's my just, only thought was that it happens after Tenzin in the in the council meetings. Like, no, you know, Kavira has not made any strikes on this. We're not going to get involved. And then his daughter gets kidnapped by spirit vines. It's like, oh no! This yeah. time it's personal. <laughs> like Tenzin's like, okay, I, you know, I don't know if this will change his philosophy, yeah. but his daughter was put in peril. So, and he still gives Cora the hand. He's like, how about your dad goes to Ugh. the world? He yeah. did yes. give Cora the hand. <laughs> like, asking her to get her dad on the phone to like take a mission <laughs> that is infuriating. That would piss off any teenager. Uh, that all that material really struck me when Cora yeah. goes into the room and sees the council meeting and trying to decide all this stuff herself, and then and later even Wu is there. Yeah, and just has like lines that rip me apart. Like he called you back too soon. Oof. We, uh, well, I feel like uh, they've they've moved it. Boleyn was the very infuriating, like turning a blind eye person, and now that seems to be Tenzin for mm-hmm. me. Like I, I get it. Like. I, I get the interesting modern political parallels they're trying to draw, but to what like, are they? May I ask? There are many, and you know that there are we- weapons of mass destruction, all sorts of stuff. But like, okay. But if he he's trying to be like Sweden or something, right? He yeah. is like not. He's not going to be aggressive unless he is that somebody is going to attack them directly. And, and sometimes, I just feel like, yeah. but they took mm-hmm. they took uh, Zalfu by force, like. <laughs> No, no, I don't see it. <laughs> I don't see any force over here. Yeah, they're still talking about how they haven't done anything wrong in the so council. Ian is in like there is these little like metal death pods. Like, what is happening? They're days yeah. from three episodes ago. They don't believe it. They have to see it. We still haven't seen any camps. Just if we're keeping track. Jeez. He's <laughs> from the camps. I've heard a lot about these camps that supposedly exist. This is really like, about American perspective during World War II. I, it's, like Fire Lord Izumi, who we don't really know, I can take that message 
I can swallow it from right, her. Right, right. But it's harder coming from Tenzin. Well, she's not. She doesn't want to. She wants to do something. She's worried. She wants to play the defense, but mm-hmm. I actually found her line to be very poignant as well about the Fire Kingdom. You know, their whole history is riddled with uh, right. uh, war, and that she doesn't want to go to war. This is all of a sudden this World War II metaphor is it's America, guys. America, I know Just it's so you know. really incredible to kind of see those parallels or draw parallels between World War II and contemporary war. Right. Right. Does that mean, <laughs> like, oh my god! Well, Does it, that it mean seems... Wu is like CIA special ops? Who's like, does she have any allergies? <laughs> Can we send her to a vacation island? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, he's like CIA very special ops. ops. Yeah. Special ops. NSA. Very, very special. Send in some badger moles. <laughs> Seal team. Badger team six. <laughs> Papa team six. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes. I want that. I want it so much. Pabu in, in military. You guys, what oh. if Pabu takes down Kuvira? But it's so funny that you say this because the end of this episode is basically, it reminds me of like preparing for Zero Dark Thirty or something. Right, right, We're right. going on this mission. We're going covert. It's just going to be the, the top soldiers, right. the military people. We're going to infiltrate. We're going to get our, <laughs> yeah. our people out. All in. <laughs> well, this Top is, this is more unsanctioned. It's more like, I don't know. Maybe not quite Zero Dark Thirty because that was a totally like planned and sanctioned That's true. mission. I was trying to think about what parallels there might be if there were real historical precedents for people <laughs> going rogue and doing their own operations to get Argo. <laughs> yeah, I well maybe it is kind of like Ar- Argo. Argo was yeah. a messy uh, extraction plot. It did have support though, so it wouldn't have happened without a certain amount of support. Well, people support Lynn. Well, I mean, uh, uh, this is also <laughs> like a family thing, which I think should yeah. more be the focus moving forward because I think this is how Bolin meets Toph, right? I've right. already seen people posting on Facebook about these things. I, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's amazing what coronation. I, sh- I need to stop following them on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> we need, I don't want to badmouth anyone here, but I'm, I'm like, stop posting gifts and stuff from the next episodes. I don't want oh. to. And I'm oh. not much of a spoiler phobe despite swearing off Star Wars. <laughs> Uh, yeah, besides this living is, under that a was, rock that's for more of an exercise. This that's not how I live my life, but I I'm just surprised like big moments kind of just put them in the preview pictures for episodes. But anyway, I don't want to spoil anything for people, but anyway, uh, yeah. I, I wanted it's very family driven. I wanted to say that to step away from the historic parallels, not that I think that they wouldn't exist, but it would be like uh I don't know, some royal it'd be like the royal family of Britain going and rescuing, I don't know. Oh my god. Prince Harry so from they, India. This suspects waiting <laughs> to happen. Get uh, yeah, because Kate, Kate suiting up to go Black Ops to re- rescue Harry, I, that would sell a million dollars. It's <laughs> the most on-brand Vanity Fair pitch. <laughs> That's incredible. Prince George would come too. He would be a part of it. I need a Photoshop of that stand. He'd be like a baby genius. All right, I feel like we're, I'm sorry, we're, we're diverging a lot. So. No, I don't think so. It's <laughs> a lot. Um... Wait, I have a question. I have a technical question. They're highly technical. Is Unuvatu canon? Because I thought that was like a fan-created name, but then they used it in the episode. Oh, I oh yeah, no, that's the name. I think he refers to himself as Unuvatu. In, in really? Close. He gave himself like a celebrity couple name? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, yes. That was my question. <laughs> He's Brangelita is returning. <laughs> the spirit world. Well, uh, I mean, uh, it's in- is it interesting that Zaheer is the only not dead one, and he's the one that gets to redeem himself in this episode? Did he redeem himself? Did There's he no redeem redemption. himself? 
No. I saw I saw somebody in our comments describe him as chaotic neutral. I think it was Love Waffle. Yeah. And I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, that makes that makes so much sense. And it totally I, is. And I don't think I, I think he. Mean? Um, it's a D and D state where it means like you're not necessarily good or bad. Uh, but your your actions can be motivated by chaos. So like he's like he's the X factor. He's gonna be disappointed in me mm-hmm. that I don't know that. Yeah, um, he's, he's the X factor, but he doesn't have like a moral obligation one way or the other. Well, we always assume that because he was the villain, he was sort of like evil, but he's not so much. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, we captured him, but we can't contain him anymore. He's been meditating meditating in and out of the spirit world. So it would seem like he's been slightly aware of what's been happening or at least has been, I saw. He's like, I heard, I heard tell of Kuvira. Like he heard rumors Mm -hmm. of Kuvira. Right. I feel like he's going to be involved in the final takedown of Kuvira because he, he did seem to acknowledge Uh, that he created a power vacuum that she stepped into, that that was his doing. I think this is the last time we're seeing Zaheer. Yeah, that would make more sense. You can't unlock is, that guy. This is his involvement, basically. But he, he could be in the spirit world. You don't think he could show up in the spirit world? It's not like they, they brought Hannibal Lecter out. It's like, hey, let's get this guy. We need your help. <laughs> we, we picked his brain, but they don't let him loose to go get serial killers. Right, but he can. But Zaheer already said that he can meditate into the spirit world. I'm putting money on this, and right. I, get to, I get to do a resounding well, told you so if he does You You know what? You may get to, because the big hint here is that Korra has power that is yet to be unlocked, and a lot of it comes from the spirit world, right? That she right. thought that she could not bend, uh, and yet she can like super bend or something in the that spirit world. That seems like world. a big change, by the way. It, the, like Historically, right? Yeah, there are no bending powers in the spirit world, and now it's like just with a bit of dialogue, oh, it's actually unlimited. Yeah, you're not trying powers. hard enough, Juan. Oh, okay. And, and Aang and all these people who thought they couldn't bend. You could, <laughs> you just weren't trying. Yeah. Juan never went into the spirit world that we know about without yeah. his bending. He always had it. He closed the gates. Mm-hmm. Right, but he didn't bend in the spirit yeah, world. Yeah, he did. Because you could pass through the gates and keep your bending. Juan was always able to bend in the spirit world. Sorry, it's a weird technique. Like if you're, you're saying if you're physically in the spirit world, you can bend, but if you meditate into the spirit oh, world, right, you right, can't right. bend. Is that right? Right, for everybody except the Avatar, but because the Avatar's spirits <laughs> commingled with Rava, it turns out she's basically still Rava in the spirit world, which made sense to me, even though it does seem a weird season to bring that up. But, you know, yeah. if you're going to give them like God a power at the end. quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dave, you might know best or remember, um, was the Rava bit in this episode a big deal? I think we were, I've seen many people in our comment sections kind of be confused by like what, where Rava is or what she's about now based on the, the blowing away of the Avatar line. Now, oh. but Rava's like, Rava's like, hey, I've been here the whole time. Yeah, no, <laughs> Rava was there the whole time. Like, like Rava's Tally. Tally. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, Rava here. Been here the whole time. <laughs> um, yeah, so she's just like in the in the liver or something, hiding. Yeah, yeah, lies dormant. So <clears throat> the, mm-hmm. the Rava that was destroyed, that destroyed the Avatar line, was like one Rava incarnation. But as we learned through Janora, the Deus Ex Machina, uh, Rava grows always in Vatu and vice versa. So this was more, it was inside Korra and dormant, and that's why the spirits earlier in the book 
said that they hadn't seen the Rava spirit in a long time is because basically since the attack on Zaheer, Korra's been walling Rava up inside of her. Now it's well, but free. Before, before that, like, because so at the end of the uh, Unalak season, it was like, Rava was like a little glowing golden ball in Korra's chest, right? <laughs> like just starting to grow. Well, I mean, but she was also a giant projection of a kaiju Korra. So, but when she returns at the end of that, she is reunited with Rava. It's just like a reincarnation of Rava, so it doesn't have the memories of the. So spirits. she and Rava were totally right. So she and Rava were totally, you know, working in tandem all through book three, and then got walled off because of the trauma with with Zaheer. Is that what you're saying? Right. I mean, uh, yes. The, yeah. In order okay. to be the Avatar, you're connected to Rava. But like the Avatar, Rava can also die and be reborn. And it sort of like clears a little bit of the slate. So the reason Aang is able to connect all the past Avatars is because that was an unbroken Rava chain. He hadn't been killed in the Avatar state. Rava uh-huh. hadn't been pulled out of him and destroyed. So he had all the memories. Rava died and came back to life and lost all the memories, but uh, is still as equally as They powerful. rebooted. Yeah. I they mean, wiped the computer and uh, loaded Rava OS back 2. on Rava 2.0. Oh, right. Yeah. It's more like being a teenager this way because no one can really tell you because no one's experienced your potential destructive power inside your tumultuous emotions. <laughs> Is that what your teenage years were like? Okay. Well, don't, don't, you don't feel like that? Like, people are like, well, I remember my hormones going crazy, and, uh, you know, I remember this, and I remember that. And you're like, yeah, I don't, you don't know how I feel, Dad? Oh, this is like the new Pixar movie. Okay, sorry. That's jumping way ahead. I know, sorry. This is, spoilers. This, what, you're no describing, spoilers. <laughs> what you're describing is why I really don't mind um, the repetitive nature of this whole mental block, slow build arc for Korra. Um I just love the little dialogue moments that do seem to reflect real teenage anxiety or teenage frustration with how adults position them and just like people not, you know, confidence. You need to have self-confidence, but you do need confidence from other people or you, or you won't have self-confidence. She needs Tenzin or she needs to – this notion of confronting a memory um, and not only acknowledging that it happened and somehow turning – your your shoulder away and then then moving on but to like own it to own tragedy i think is so fascinating and very relevant to teenagers everyone has something that happens to them at a young age that probably plagues them for years and years and for many people they don't ever confront it and own it yeah i mean i think the reason i connect to it so much is because it's spider-man it's with great power comes great responsibility because you let people die by screwing around with something you think is fun and that's exactly what this is except for spider-man he got tragedy sort of really close to the beginning of his origin whereas Korra spent uh i guess almost two complete books Mm-hmm. Being like, I'm the Avatar, deal with it. <laughs> and then we've come a long way since then in the growing up of Korra and what it means to have responsibility with your power. Yeah. Well, what's really interesting there, too, is that uh, the whole thing about Korra is that it wasn't about anything that actually happened. It was just about the fear of what could have happened. 
uh, which uh, they say specifically too. Like she was just worried that, oh, she was at the point where she could have actually died. And that's what she's terrified of. Nothing bad actually physically happened because, you know, they saved the day and the bad guys went away. Yeah. This, that is the teenage play. Yeah. That's what I suffered as a kid. What? Don't you think like the fear <laughs> of what may be? I, I don't know. It like, feels like how she wound work. up in a wheelchair. Yeah. I mean, it's not like yeah. nothing happened to her. Yeah, but it's still, I mean, t- to have a near-death moment mm-hmm. and, and continue to, oh, my God, I'm, I'm actually, Dave, I'm talking about what I'm going to talk about on our Quarter Quill episode soon. Oh, uh, man. Just like the idea of having a, a near-death moment and considering death and now how close you've come, mm-hmm. all you can think about is like, well, one day I will die or something will horrible will happen because look how close it came before. But, it, I mean, that exists in in smaller ways too i think kids get caught up with how close they come to to actual failure and they drive themselves nuts attempting to to sidestep real failure for the rest of their lives and it's yeah and not just kids i mean i know you said it like (laughs) goes into adulthood but i mean yeah that have that's a that's really smart. I, I'm sorry, I wasn't disagreeing. I came to the question of: Does Cora gonna die? Is that what has to happen now? No, because that's what possible. I thought had to happen in Harry Potter, and Harry <laughs> Potter freaking lived. So, well, well but if we did, did we learn that from Harry Potter that even more so that's what needs to happen? I mean, if if Cora does die, to what end? Yeah, I don't think it'll serve much of a purpose other than. Being the big dramatic go, your hero dies thing. Well, but Where's I mean, Tenzin? Unless it changes the rules. Like we've talked about, oh, Tenzin dies again? Yes. Yeah, Tenzin dies. <laughs> Tenzin dies. Just I mean, especially after this season, right? He's just been kind of useless, guys. Come on. All, all of book three is like building towards a Tenzin death, and then in book four, he just gets like shot with he, fire. And- yeah, he walks <laughs> into the spirit vine swamp. But I mean, like, because uh, if if this is the story of Cora, the legend of Cora, and she needed to let go of her fear of death and learn what her true responsibility is to her power into the world, isn't the ultimate form of that sacrifice? No, no, I disagree because I think this series is very much about living and living with the idea that there is death and failure and all the bad things in the world. It's about continuing on and finding some sort of Zen position uh, where you can where you can reckon with the idea that your 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 future is facing failure. You know, she has confronted the notion that no matter what she does to Kuvira. And balance is ever changing. It's a fluid idea. She has to keep trying to balance the world. It won't just be balanced. Uh, and now that she's confronted this notion of dying, um, it's not that she has to die. It's that she has to go into battle knowing that she could die and that even if she um, stomps down Kuvira and ends this this problem, that later in life she will again encounter situations where uh, fear will be present, and, and death is po- a possibility. So I, I wouldn't want to see her die. I would want to see her uh, come to this kind of Zen mm-hmm. state where anything she's just not afraid of all the horrible things that will happen in the future. The lesson seems to be over and over again on Korra is not let these earthly things go because you are the avatar and your purpose is higher. For Korra, it's you know, not to make it too Buffy again, but rely on your Scooby gang, like your, her connections to the world, to the people around her, to her community uh, is part of what makes her such yeah. an exceptional avatar. And so I, I think 
you know, if the notion, if, if the lesson were let all that go and then you'll be better at your job and let mm-hmm. all earthly things go and you will ascend or die or something like that, that would be one thing. But I think Patches is right in terms of the messages, live, be a girl, be a, be a young woman, be whoever you want to be, but also fight these extraordinary battles. Right, right, right. You know, it seems against the whole dogmatic thing, basically, of like, you you have to be an aesthetic, you have to put the world away. I'm not sure if I mentioned this on the show before, but that's one thing I appreciated in uh, in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which is one of my favorite movies. But it's also all about this whole idea where, you know, the, the ideal for a lot of folks, um, martial artists and thinkers and whatever, is to set the world away. But that movie does teach, like, thematically, it is all about a balance of trying to, like, figure out a way to balance the things you really want versus the real world, uh, things that keep you to the real world. And maybe the thing you devoted your life to, which was all about you know putting attachments away, uh, was wrong. And right. sometimes you have to deal with that. I, I, don't, I don't think this season's necessarily about technophobia, but it's interesting mm-hmm. that the other side of the coin to all this is kind of technology and uh, Kuvira being enabled by technological discovery. Because mm-hmm. now, now that I hear you... Um, Talk, talk about um, separating yourself from a lot of real world problems or or uh, real world ideals. I think a lot about the tech industry, and you may have more insight here. That um, especially with the, the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world, where you know success is about inventing something that's going to change the world and being like the millennial goal is to be the most powerful person in the whole world and accomplish <laughs> the most amazing thing possible. And if you're just kind of like living your life. That's not enough. You're not making an impact. You're not being a huge figure in some industry. And You're not a disruptor. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what Kuvira kind of feels like. She feels like the millennial goal in some way, and uh, Cora will, will balance, will be the alternative to that, that you can live your life without so many goals, without so many um, drives necessarily. You know, like <laughs> You can have your life, you can, and, and you can make discoveries along the way, and it can be very prosperous because you're so open to the abilities and hearing people too. I think that's a really important part. Like I found that the conversation with Zaheer to be a tremendous piece of writing and, and really insightful into what this whole balance season is about. Just like hearing – I mean I disagree with you, Dave. I think Zaheer is not really redeemable. He's a, he's a bad – Person, he's morally bad. Uh, Is I don't he think, morally bad? You haven't I think, learned anything, patches. Yeah, <laughs> well, see, I think, but but everyone is shades of gray, right? They do. Cora and Zahir do align in some ways. Many of their what they're chasing. Uh, much of what they're chasing is is the same thing, the same kind of goals, the same ideas, the same detachment, and mm-hmm. yet he's just. <clears throat> too driven. He's too. He, he's out of balance, as Toph has told us. Um, so he has a problem. He has to center again. He can be. I, I don't think chaotic neutral is a, is real. I think if you're being chaotic, then you are a form of kind of evil. But mm. if he does, mm. if he this does, is a longer that's discussion. What the Joker is all yeah. about right. That's what. No, it's it's a little different though. <clears throat> I, I also think it's really interesting that mm-hmm. Cora. Oh, Joe, you go first. Okay. No, no, it's okay. Go ahead. I, I was going to say that seeing Cora kind of confront this scene that uh, of, of, and this is dangerous territory. Zahir uh, sucking the life out of her. This is the moment that keeps coming back. It's a very violent piece mm-hmm. of imagery, and we and we get a point of view shot from that too. Yeah, like through her eyes. That was weird. Wow, yeah. it's it's really rough, and. Um, you know, we touched upon this when we were discussing book three about this kind of attack on a woman by this powerful man. And I thought about it again 
like confronting these people who've, who've really harmed you. And it just does seem a little shaded by the roles that they play in these positions and to kind of relive this moment that haunts her, um, that destabilizes her, um, this, this offense. Uh, it seems more than just like my life was almost taken. This, this, having this powerful man figure be part of it it, it it doesn't seem like something we can avoid when we when we talk about this or what the parallels of what Cora is going through. It seems very feminine to me. I don't know. Mm, I wouldn't. It's dangerous. Nec- yeah, yeah but. I, I think we were much closer with the accepting death and her own capability of letting Say- things go in battle than uh, attributing what they're trying to do to any specific type of like PTSD. Be it like you know a shell shock, battle weariness, or some sort of post assault. Uh, I don't worry about what they're trying to do. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, then yeah, I guess I guess it's their patches, but I think that you might be a, you might be applying it where it doesn't need there. to be applied just because of gender. Here's what I want to say about uh, Zahir's role in this episode. This came up. I mean, I don't know if it's smart to bring this up, but, uh, you know, it is one of, well, one of our listeners last week got upset when we had a conversation about Katniss and Bella and comparing Cora and that sort of stuff. And I completely understand, (laughs) mostly understand where that person is coming from. But what I want to say is that there, that listener's characterization of Cora, Cora's faults, her being impetuous and rational and stuff is early Cora and what we're seeing is an evolution of a character. And so for her to go in and talk to Zaheer and actually listen to him as opposed to insist that he is evil, Mm -hmm. like for her to go to him for help, for her to listen to his advice while knowing that he has been her biggest, scariest enemy so far um, is a huge evolution for Cora. Uh, because I think earlier in season she would just be like, no, this guy's evil, and I quash evil because I'm Cora. <laughs> crush him. You know? Right. Yeah. Crush him. And now she's like, I have things to learn from everyone from every direction. And and that's a lot about Cora's evolution, which I just thought was a really interesting beat in this episode. Whether or not that's particularly gendered, I I don't really see that specifically, though Though I can see where you would pick that up, Patches. But I think go it to is, grad school, I'll write a thesis paper. Well, no, I think it is important. <laughs> and I'm glad that Cora has an opportunity to confront her demons, that Zahir is still alive so she can confront him, and also then learn from him. I just thought that was a really, really great interaction. And the way that they interaction is, I thought the scene where we see that old memory and then it kind of starts shattering like the ground underneath her gives way and she falls into the spirit world. I loved all the animation and score shout out to Zuckerman. Yeah. It's, it's really great. And then she starts like zooming through the spirit world. Uh, I just loved all that. What were the kryptonite crystals in Zaheer cell? Those are just cool. Those are crystals that exist underground in like They're the earth kingdom. They were the 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 red lotus cave kind of had a similar design. I don't know why you'd put him back in a prison that looks just like his hideout. Maybe that's comfort. <laughs> Maybe he got to design his prison, which was really cool. They had so many doors. That was cool. It was like get smart. I think every, <laughs> every time I see those crystals, I just want the Aang crystal suit to come back, and it never never happens. That is that was really cool. Was what was that when he was fighting? Yeah, uh, it was book two, um, and he's fighting Azula, I think, uh, before he, she lightning bolts him in the back, and that season ends. That is, of, sorry. No speaking go. of like the potential threat of tech, 
uh, or technology's role? Should we talk about Asami and Varric rejoining forces? Yeah, that was like an out of the blue moment. That was planting a seed. I'm tr- I was trying to remember when that actually happened. Asami makes fun of him for bombing his own building. Which is a very yeah. funny joke. And then she puts the like the hurt on him, which is yeah. my favorite part. <laughs> oh yeah, twist the arm. <laughs> oh, that had to be right after because the council's like we're going to defend, and that has to be the only thing that they actually do to defend is assign mm-hmm. Varric and Asami. That makes sense. I did like Bolin's Bolin's uh, charade version of what the Spirit Vine bomb is going to be. He's like, <laughs> she built a thing, and it's like, and, then, uh, and like all sorts of stuff. And Varric's like, yeah, let, let me take care of this. <laughs> Uh, but you know we've we've uh, postulated that Asami's going to reteam with her father now that Varric is involved. I don't know magnets. What what do we think is coming? Maybe there's more magnets. prison talk. Everyone's <laughs> going to visit their friends in prison. I don't know if we need Asami's father involved just because it's yeah. like it dilutes the whole focus. Why of the was story, he there? So that they can like have one scene where she goes yeah. back like, yeah. hey, how did you build that thing? That's a Chekhov's gun. If they don't fire it, I will be really irritated. Uh, well, I think so it's nice. more like acknowledging the issues she's had in the past. And we saw that in, in Cora in this episode. Acknowledge yeah. her issues. Like, that's the whole okay. point of this season. Yeah, That, epi- that episode mm-hmm. was also about whether or not you could redeem characters who were doing supposedly bad things right, in that episode. Right. So it would thematically make sense if that's all we saw. Although it wouldn't yeah. be satisfying. Yeah, it's a precursor to seeing Zaheer again, too. Like, it kind of gets us up to that idea that this person who did bad things and is imprisoned, there may be something good to them, too. Or yeah. something still around. That's good. Can can we wrap up our conversation talking a little about Bolin and Opal and everything that happens <laughs> in this episode? Because what was interesting, uh, we, we had a reader on the site, uh, Rob Grizzly, who comments very often. Thank you, Rob. Uh, ask us, the, um, or his comment was, Bolin and Opal, not so sure anymore. Is she too mean to him? Is he too dumb for her? <laughs> Whose side are we on? So now we're oh, side are we on? Whose side are we on? I, I don't oh. think this is going to work out. That's all. Really? Bolin is yeah. literally my favorite character. Okay, Pabu is literally my favorite character. <laughs> Bolin is a close second, but he is too dumb for Opal. He is pretty dumb. And I love that he <laughs> says that several times. You're like, I'm an idiot because I was an idiot. Yeah, idiot, idiot. Yeah. And now I want to hug. I don't think it's the best way to get a girl. And I haven't tried this exact uh, tactic, but I have <laughs> similar tactics is to tell a girl that you broke both of your legs and lassie, <laughs> lassie dog. Get her over to you. I'm not the best idea of guys out there. I don't think women would appreciate it. I think uh, we have to, I mean, if they are headed for a reconciliation, uh, you know, if that does happen, if they get a happy ending, uh, you know, then at least those of us watching won't be angry that Opal took him back too readily. At mm-hmm. least we'll be like, okay, she gave him hell for an episode, which is a, at least what he deserved. Right? I yeah. love explosion at him at the picnic scene. I thought it was like, Awesome. I just On point. A, yeah. a, a woman, especially an animated character, like Roar, like that. That was just fantastic. And <laughs> I, didn't like, see her in, I didn't see the fire in her eyes at that point. Like, I didn't know <laughs> Opal had it in her. Just She's like, because we are so in love. <laughs> I was yeah. like, ooh, sarcasm. And they never really were, by the way. Let me just point that out. So there they is no... moment. some off-screen time where they, they were... Some, uh, maybe off-screen time, but just they based on what so we saw last like, season, they were, yeah, they're they a cute teen couple and that's like, it. Yeah, but yeah. what about Bolin's admission at the end here? I mean, I'm not going to stop trying to win you back because I love you. Oh, is that does kind of do under that? duress, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, he does that once a season to somebody. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. That's true. 
He just wants someone to love, you know? Opal was not too mean, by the way. Well, no, like I said, Olin's one of my favorite characters, but she's right on point with everything she said. Yeah. And she apologized to Pabu for making him have to witness it. So. She's very lovely in this episode. Um, but I don't know if she should take him back. Once, you're, once your uh, boyfriend commits borderline war crimes... I don't know if you can get back together. No, because we learned from We haven't seen the camps yet. That's true. (laughs) Prove it in court. (laughs) Prove it in court. What are you saying, Dave? Oh, I was saying that that's why we had the Asami Hiroshi scene. So when Bolin redeems himself, we could maybe forgive him despite his war crimes. War crimes. I want everyone to know there's a new book out that I'm trying to find the title of. If anyone's interested, they can tweet at me to get it. But um, about rounding up the remaining Nazi criminals. In Argentina? There's some in Argentina. There's some in America. Because Are we going to send Kate Middleton to do it? Because I'd watch that going movie. To put on a mask and go SEAL Team 6 on everybody. Uh, no, they apparently America opened its doors to Nazis uh, after World War II because a lot of these engineers, Varric types actually, mm-hmm. uh, could help them in their their own technological advancements. So the only people who knew how to build like super tanks and big weapons were Nazis, uh, Nazi scientists. So they opened the doors and a lot of them live in Queens, New York. <laughs> and they just got a total pass from the government. It's pretty astonishing. Isn't this that book- what Queens? The X-Files is about? What? I don't know. I actually have not watched that whole series. Oh, oh well, it's, that's touched on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it what, is touched. that's what the whole show is about. Well, no. I mean, the Smoky Man is the Smoky Man. Of no, no, you could make the argument that the X Files entirely about what the U.S. government does to its yes. own people during the Cold yes. War. So, no, 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 no. That show is so good. Yeah, man. Um, if there wasn't yeah. already the X Files files, I would say we should do a podcast. <laughs> that but, was a great idea. Yeah. yeah. This book that I'm talking about is called The Nazis Next Door, How America Became a Safe Haven for Hitler's Men by Mm -hmm. Eric Lichtablo. I would highly recommend it. Uh, But seriously, I would watch Kate Middleton and Magneto (laughs) team up up to take on. Okay, I'm done. Sorry. The royal family takes a new level. Well, I I think we're about done uh, talking about uh, Beyond the Wilds. But uh, any little things that come to mind for this episode, uh, things that made you laugh, things that made you weep, things that touched your heart. Dave, anything? Uh, I'm glad Maria Bamford's back uh, for his Ryu's mom, uh, just for a few lines. She's a good comedian, and I'm sad that she didn't get to do that much in book three. But uh, <laughs> providing a, the Pema. yeah, providing the comedic comic points to what should have been a horror scene, uh, if it weren't for she these was two comedians, was uh, really pleasant for me. John Hader, Vinger, mm-hmm. uh, anything? Oh, I know. This just felt like a really refreshing episode after last week. So I loved all the little character moments. I loved the Boleyn and Varric just getting into the meeting and kind of the whole conversation there. Uh, so yeah, you know, little bits all around. Joanna? Um, I gotta go with Ryu's hair because last time we saw him, <laughs> it was dark and now he's got this like terrible, awesome bleached situation. Yeah, did he ice his tips? Am I using that phrase correctly? Fro- frost. Okay. Tips. <laughs> <laughs> ice your tips is what Bobby and X Men does. So frost your tips. Uh-huh. Is what my hairstylist does. Uh, and speaking of Maria Bamford, someone in the comments brought this up, and I, I had the same reaction to this episode, which is where is um, well now I can't remember her name. Uh, well, Boomy oh. and Kaya, Kaya, right? Yeah, Kaya. Chris, Boomy Kaya. and Kaya. 
Mm-hmm. Where are Boomy and Kaya? Boomy and Kaya Gate. Or Kaya. Or Rohan. Yeah. Kai or... is interesting that we, we have no Kai after episode I'm one. I'm really okay with that. <laughs> a little scamp. Somebody, somebody pointed in our comments that the guy who poked with the stick is the guy we thought was Amon for like the first four episodes of the book. Cause he was <laughs> right, like who a, kept appearing in the backgrounds, right? Yeah, with like the very distinctive little pointy hat. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, th- I believe that's on point, too, the, uh, based on photographic evidence posted in yeah. the Yeah, <laughs> fake, fake Amon. It's real. The fake Amon. Uh, and one of the little things I liked, I, I kept thinking of Dave because I didn't know if um, this was enough of the Fire Lord for you, if you were finally getting what you were looking for. I don't, think we're, Lord with, I don't think we're done with Fire Lord Azumi yet. <laughs> oh, you're a bigger. I, I, I do want to see what this um, defense line is going to look like since they decided. Dragons. I think she's yes, got. Dra- oh man! I think she's got like the Mon Calamari in Return of the Jedi part, where she'll be like, "Oh, this is a trap," and then then that's that'll be her big moment. <laughs> the drop. Just like during um, the big really battle, like- she's like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> <laughs> I really like her glasses. That's what I'll say about her. Okay, they're pretty cute. <laughs> no, I don't mean cute. I just like her character design. You oh. know, I- she's sophisticated. She's sophisticated. She's cool. She's not Vaguely like... Vaguely like uh, Bayonetta-esque, too. It's really weird. I don't know if you guys know the game, but uh, very she, similar. Doesn't the character yeah, in that wear significantly less clothing than the Fire Lord? That's a, that's a whole different thing, but same glasses and same like angular face. So She has glasses? Yeah. And now Bayonetta, we can loop back to the Korra game, which is apparently a, a, a complete failure. Yeah. Oh. Oh, we're gonna do that now? now no, no, no. We are not. Uh, sorry, we're I just not gonna that. Yeah. I'm just that. stoking your fire here. Uh, let's talk about fight combo systems and when you should be able to level up your character, populated <laughs> oh, in a world without any background people in it. God, oh God! Uh, the little things that I like. Uh, I really like all of Zahir's lines in this episode. Blaming me is a crutch to make you feel better. That is just a thinger. Um, and for some reason, I was really into. Uh, seeing Korra kind of cut open these pods that we don't really know what the point of them is. Uh, but she cuts into them. Everyone's just covered in goo. Like, Janora just has all this goo on her face. I thought that was, like, well animated for some reason. <laughs> I, I, maybe that sounds a little sick. But yeah. I Strangest fetish ever. In goo. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the episode's filled with vines, and all I could think about is goo. To finally, the American animation goo that Patches <laughs> has been waiting for. Yes, it's crossed over. Uh, well, I think that about round, uh, wraps things up for this episode. Uh, why don't we tell people where they can find us on the internet? Devendra? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Devendra. I podcast about movies and TV at slash film.com, and I write about tech at engadget.com. Joanna? Uh, you can find me most days on vanityfair.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This. You can find me on the Station Agents podcast or the Thought Bubble podcast. Dave? You can find me on Twitter at DA7E and writing about really geeky things, latino-review.com. And if you want to go to fightinginthewarroom.com, this Tuesday is our 50th episode, which means we will each be bringing a movie talking about what represents our mindset in this current era. I'm bringing Raiders of the Lost Ark and Patches is being super depressing. So go (laughs) check that out this Tuesday, December 2nd. It's true. Things are going to get so real. Um, I'm considering that Raiders of the Lost Ark a personal dig, Dave, so... (laughs) And uh, <laughs> I, I am Matt Patches. I write all over the internet and try and put everything on mattpatches.com, which is my Tumblr. And I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches. And I recap Cora at screencrush.com. And I do these podcasts, the aforementioned podcasts. And uh, yes, until next week, farewell. <laughs>